Good morning. Um, and make sure Colossians 1, 9 through 14, please stand for the reading of God's word. Colossians 1, 9 through 14. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and may please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, so that you may have great endurance and patience and joyfully giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in the kingdom of light. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. Good to be with you this morning. As always, I love Sunday mornings. It's not like the most relaxing day of the week for me, it turns out, but um, I really do love being with you guys, even just so far. Like, that second song was so beautiful. I'm, tears are streaming down my face. I'm hearing about his mercy. And then I love, did you catch Scott's, the subtle line in the middle of that third song, right? Show him where to clap, Stacia. Just that subtle rebuke, you know, was... was um, just kidding. No, I love that we get to do this and um, be together uh, and to worship the Lord together and to, as Mark just said, just experience one another and have our eyes open to the Lord and to each other as, as the body of Christ. And um, it's so much fun. So great to see you all that to say. Um, so we're in a series in Colossians that we started last week. And uh, last week we looked at the first eight verses where Paul begins by uh, thanking God for what God has been doing in the Colossians. And now today he starts praying to God uh, that God would keep doing things in the Colossians. And so we're going to look at this wonderful prayer today. Uh, we could spend a whole, the whole fall in this prayer. I mean, theoretically, one could do that. In fact, you ladies are going to do that on Wednesday mornings. Um, it's so rich and full and beautiful. And before we look at the prayer, I just want to resolve a tension that you're going to feel. Okay, so I just want to preempt a tension. Um, Paul is going to pray this prayer, but as he does it, he's inviting us into a certain kind of life. Right? This is the life he longs for, for the Colossians, certainly, that God longs for us. And you're going to hear this life played out in these verses. And you're going to start to feel a tension. And the tension is, oh, I won't say a bad word, but oh. Poop, you know. Um, my life doesn't live up to uh, this description of life that Paul is painting. Like, I fall short of this. And if I'm honest, I don't even know if I, I have it in me to live this kind of life. I don't know if I have what it takes to get to the kind of life that Paul is painting. And you're going to feel a tension. And so I just want to start by relieving you of the tension. You don't have what it takes to live the life. Okay, you don't have the resources within you to live the kind of life that Paul's inviting us into. That's why this is a prayer. <laughs> this is a prayer. Paul is actually not talking to the Colossians. He's, he's talking to God. He's praying that God would do something, that God would bring the resources that, that only God can bring 
so that the Colossians and that we could live this kind of life. So um, as you hear this, this life being described, you're going to feel the gap of how you fall short. And what we do with that gap is we turn to pray. We go, God, I don't have the resources to, to bridge that gap. And so, yes, I need prayer. I need your resources. Lord. I need your power and your grace in my life. So that's exactly what should happen uh, this morning, if, I think, if we hear this uh, right. And my love, this prayer is just, it's sandwiched by good news of what God's up to, right? Last week we looked at, uh, look at verse 6, in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit and growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you, right? This gospel is at work in you. Look at how our passage ends in verse 13. For God has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So this whole thing is sandwiched by all the good that God is doing. And we're going to need all of that. We're going to need to immerse ourselves in that in order to then begin to walk into this life that God calls us to uh, through his strength and his grace and his resources. So uh, what I want to do this morning is I want to explore this prayer together. uh, And then I want to end actually praying this prayer together and spend some time kind of slowly um, just offering ourselves to the Lord at the beginning of the fall uh, through the words of this prayer. All right, so let's take a look at this beautiful prayer. Uh, The heart of the prayer you'll find in verse 9 and 10. Okay, so the second half of verse 9. I think this this is the essence of the prayer. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. Okay, this is that's the heart of the prayer. And if I if I could if I could sum up what this prayer is about, it's a prayer for a transformed mind, so that we can live a transformed life. Okay, a transformed mind so that we can live a transformed life. I'm going to focus on the transformed life part this morning, but let me just start with the transformed mind. Look at that verse again. We pray that God would fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that spirit gives. Paul is asking that that God would do something through his spirit, fill us with his will, okay? And by will, I don't think he means like, what's God's will for my life? Like, should I be a painter or should I be a dentist or should I be an architect? Not that like specific will, but God's general will, the kind of life that God wants for his believers. Paul's saying, I want God to to transform your minds. So you start to to take on God's view of things. You start to see things, see yourself, see the world, see see reality the way God sees it. Your minds would be changed, renewed. And I'd say never in my life I've ever felt the greater need for people's minds to be renewed. Okay? That, that, that you would begin to see everything the way God sees it. You'd see your, you, you'd view your body, your use of your body the way God would want you to view it. The, the use of your money and resources the way God sees it. You'd, you'd view your marriage the way God views your marriage. You'd view your singleness the way God does. And your work and your relationships and the way you spend your time, everything about your life, you'd come to see things the way God sees things. And that's going to take a spiritual transformation in your mind. So that's what he's praying for. Uh, In the Gospels, when Jesus comes onto the scene, his opening invitation is this, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, right? 
And that word repent, the Greek word, literally means change your mind. Okay? Metanoia. Change your mind. Meaning God's kingdom is here. You got to rethink everything. Like God is at hand. His power and grace at hand. You got to rethink everything if you want to be a part of what he's up to. And so that's where this prayer starts, with a transformed thought life so that, and here's where I really want to focus us in on this morning, the purpose is for a transformed life, right? Verse 10, here's where I'll really narrow in today. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. Try to pull that off, right? But I want to hone in on this phrase today. I want your thinking to be changed so that you might live a life worthy of the Lord. And those of you in our Friday morning men's group, Axios, uh, have heard this remark many times, but I'm going to share it again. That word worthy is the Greek word axios, okay? And here's the image uh, that axios conveys. It's a, it's a first century ancient marketplace image, right? So imagine you go to the marketplace and you want to buy, uh, what are they in the first century in the Middle East? You tell me. I don't know. They eat. Eggs? Dates, much better. I thought eggs. Eggs, yeah. Dates. All right, you want, so you want a pound of dates, right? So you go to the guy, and he, he's got his little weights. And let's say he's an honest guy. He's got a pound. I don't think they worked in pounds back then, but he has a weighted pound, and you start putting dates on it, right, until it becomes uh, equivalent. And when the two are equivalent, they are axios, okay? They're congruent. So you have a known weight on one side, and then you, when the weight that you want gets there, that is axios, okay? So in the context of what we have, the known weight is Jesus Christ, the Lord, right? You're going to live worthy of the Lord. So imagine the right hand, uh, on that right scale, you have the Lord himself, and he's worth a lot, okay? Priceless, right? So if, if I had to summarize the book of Colossians in a sentence, I would say Colossians is about the worth of of Jesus. Colossians is about how valuable, how beautiful, how extraordinary, how wonderful Jesus Christ is, and how amazing life in Christ is, and we'll talk about that a lot uh, this fall. The goal of Colossians is to help you value and cherish Jesus and live a life that is, is Jesus alone, not, not, not like Jesus and a nice house, Jesus, and lots of friends, Jesus, right? No, Jesus and Jesus alone is sufficient, okay? Everything you need is found in Christ, okay? So there's Jesus, and then on the other side is your life. And Paul is saying, I, I, I'm praying that you would live lives worthy of the Lord, okay? And that word, I don't know how that word worthy sits with you. That's a tough, like that kind of sits heavy with me, like, shoot, worthy? Uh, that, that feels like a lot of pressure, and it may be. Um, but in the simplest terms, the way I'd encourage you to think about this is to think, I want to live a life that shows the worth of Jesus. Okay, simply put, that's what a worthy life is. It's, I want to live in such a way that it, it shows the worth of Jesus. Okay, so I want you to do a little thought experiment right now. This would be kind of a litmus test for what a worthy life would look like. Imagine that somebody could observe your life for a month, okay? Uh, they get to follow you around. They get to go everywhere. 
uh, with you, which is a terrifying thought, but they get to observe everything, and they can maybe even get inside your mind a little bit, let's say, but they don't have to get too far in there, okay, let's just say, but they observe your life for a month, following you around everywhere you go, watching everything you do. At the end of a month, would they conclude, wow, this person really thinks Jesus is worth a lot by how you've lived your life, okay? Or would they conclude, this, this person, they say they believe in Jesus, but I, they don't think he's worth that much. I mean, it's kind of obvious by the way they live. Right? Think of what things could they observe. Does this person, well, do they spend time with Jesus? Like, if, if you think someone's worth a lot, you, you probably you spend time with them. Does this person immerse themselves in the words of Jesus? Are they, are they curious about how Jesus thinks about things? Are they trying to live life the way Jesus lived life? Right? As, as, they, as they watch you, let's say if, if, you're, if you live with your family, if, as they watch you interact with your fa family members or your friends, what you say to them, how you engage with them, um, as they watch you at work, the kinds of things you do at work, the kinds of things you don't do at work, as they watch how you spend your money, the kinds of things you spend money on, the kinds of things you don't spend money on, uh, as they watch you in retirement, how you spend your time in retirement, right? We could go on and on. As, as they watch you um, deal with when things don't go your way, when circumstances don't go your way, and they watch how you respond to that, right? Would this person conclude, this person thinks Jesus is worth a lot? And that person might not even think of that. They might, I don't think Jesus is, is, is worth much, but it's clear that this person sure does. Or would they conclude something else? Okay, it's a high calling, right? You don't have what it takes. That's why this is a prayer. A life that is congruent, that that in, in all sorts of big and small ways reveals to the world, Jesus is pretty stinking awesome. Jesus is really valuable. That's a life worthy of the Lord. And what the rest of this prayer does is Paul gives us uh, three, three examples or, or three windows into what a worthy life looks like, okay? And we're spending the rest of our time just looking at each of these examples. This isn't comprehensive, of course. These are three things that Paul wanted to highlight to the Colossians then. So I want to invite you to consider, like, a life where the Lord feels kind of broad and general, and I can't really get my hands around that. So Paul's going to give us, here's three real concrete expressions of that kind of life, all right? And my encouragement to you is, as you hear these three, um, maybe there's one that, that really stands out to you today. Um, for whatever reason, it, it hits you, maybe because you're convicted by it or uh, because you're resistant to it. Or what, there could be all sorts of reasons, but maybe one of these stands out to you. And I just want you to be noticing that. Um, and then we're going to spend time praying at the end of this time. Okay, so let's look at these three windows into a worthy life. So first one. Take a look at uh, the end of verse 10. Here's the first one. Oh, I think I actually have these on here. Yeah, life worthy, Lord, and pleasing. Here's the first one. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Okay? You'll notice that phrase, bearing fruit and growing. That was our phrase last week, right? It's doing that all through the world. And now Paul's saying this is what a life worthy looks like. It's a life where you're bearing fruit and you're growing in the knowledge of God. I would describe this as it's a spiritually productive life. 
It is a life where there is, there is spiritual growth. There's ongoing change and growth in the Lord. The opposite of this life would be a life that is spiritually stagnant, a life that is spiritually dormant, a life that is on spiritual cruise control, <laughs> okay? And this is, no, this is a life where you continue to grow, where you're a lifelong learner with Jesus and his kingdom. Uh, so let me sh- share a story that, that, that really captured this for me. And it's not actually a spiritual story necessarily. But so last year, uh, I went to a uh, UCI men's volleyball game, got to sit courtside, uh, which was so fun with my whole family. Uh, and a little backstory. At the time, I was reading uh, Dante's Divine Comedy with a few friends, uh, which is um, great pleasure reading at night if you're looking for something easy. Um, no, it's a slog fest. It's, um, it's heavy and deep and rich and beautiful. Um, so we're at this, so we're sitting courtside, okay, at a, a you know, NCAA uh, volleyball tournament. And my wife is, my, my kids are between me and my wife. And next to her, there's a, there's a guy probably around late 70s. And I hear them, they're just talking it up, my wife and him, during the game. And so we get at a break at one point uh, between one of the games. And she comes over, she's like, so I'm sitting next to a Dante scholar. And I'm like, I'm like, can we switch seats, please? <laughs> so we swapped seats for the last two games. And this is a guy who's taught Dante at UCI for over 40 years. Okay? He's like semi-retired now. Uh, a guy who spent his whole life immersed in Dante. And it was kind of my best moment. I'm sitting here watching like, like top-tier competitive volleyball and talking Dante for the next 45 minutes. He's like going back and forth between the original Italian and English. Yeah. And this guy is like, but his, he is so passionate. We got to meet with him later. He's so passionate about, about Dante. And, and what I thought of, here's a guy who has spent 45 years in the divine comedy. And he is more passionate about it at 80-ish than he was at 35. That he, he just continues to grow in his passion and his love for this great work and this author. And, and, and he sees the divine comedy. It's like this massive forest, right, that, that, that you could never fully explore, that you can go further up and further in. There's always more and more to learn. And he's so passionate about this, even more than he was when he started this. And now that's not a, necessarily a spiritual answer, but I, that's what I want to be with Jesus. I want to be a person who is continuing to grow who continues to grow my passion for him, my understanding of him, my understanding of his word, my willingness to follow in his ways, that I see life in Christ like this vast forest, right, that you will never fully explore. Uh, Mark and I were up in, up in the Portland area this week at a conference, and we got an afternoon off where we went on this, this great hike to Multnomah Falls up there, so Pacific Northwest, and everything is, is bearing fruit and growing up there, right? It's just there's so much water and so much life. And so we're, you know, going up these trails. We had to go to these little waterfalls. And you could just go for a really, really long time. But it's just a vast forest up there. And I was thinking, like, is that how we see life in Christ? Is life in Christ like this vast forest that you are, can continue to grow and learn, right, and, and become more passionate and more devoted to Jesus? Or, or is life in Christ, um, you know, something like this, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's beautiful, it's there, um, and it's kind of, yeah, I know it's in my life, but it's, it's not like this thing to keep 
growing in the older and older I get. And it's interesting to watch people. You know, I've been at this church for a long time. It's interesting to watch people's trajectory with age, you know, as, as we get older and older. And some people, the longer they go, they, they just become more like Jesus. They become more humble and gentle and kind and loving, left, less self-centered. And some don't. Um, some, the older they get, um, you know, can become things other than that, right? <laughs> more self-centered, more judgmental, um, things like that. And, and I get, you know, age hits us all differently, so th- there's, there's more truth than that. Um, but the, the question is, am I this growing person in Christ? C- can I honestly say um, I'm more devoted to Jesus today than I was five years ago? Right? I'm more committed to his kingdom, to walking in his ways than I was 10 years ago? Or, or am I just on spiritual cruise control? And Paul is saying, this is my prayer for you. Gosh, here's a guy, Paul. I guarantee you, he lived his whole life so passionate for Jesus. He knew there was deeper depths to, to know and explore and to experience. He's like, this is my invitation, further up and further in. This is the life that is worthy of a worthy Savior. So that's the first window, a, a spiritually fruitful and productive and growing life. All right, let's look at the second one. And again, you might be right now, you might look at that first one like, I'm so stagnant right now. Like, I'm on spiritual cruise control. In fact, I've been there for 10 years. Well, that's where the prayer starts, right? You need fresh wind in your life. You need, you need the spirit to breathe new life in you. And so that's why we pray for things that the spirit can do that we can't do for ourselves. All right, let's look at the second one. Uh, you'll see it, let's see, Uh, In verse 11, I'll put it up here. I think that is word for word. Being strengthened with all power according to his glorious, ooh, unfortunate, might, um, so is not a noun. So I know that's the wrong word there. According to his glorious might, so that you may have endurance and patience. This was the most interesting one to me this week um, for this reason. Notice all the power words in there, okay? Strengthened. Power, glory, I missed the word might, right? All these power words. Paul is praying for power and strength. In light of all that, I would have expected a more dramatic finish to that line. Like God's power and strength and might so that you could, right, move mountains, so that you could cast out demons, so that you could break down spiritual strongholds, right? He's like, all this power and might for patience and endurance, like, oh, shoot, right? Endurance, <laughs> not the sexiest of qualities, uh, right? Not the, not the, the, the glitziest of, of uh, qualities. Endurance, the capacity to continue to bear up under difficult circumstances, okay? The, the image of that word is imagine there's a weight that you are carrying on your shoulders. It's a heavy weight, and you just have to keep carrying it, okay? And God is not lifting it off of your shoulders for some reason. That's this word endurance. Patience, literally in the Greek, long-tempered, which is the opposite of short-tempered, right? Patience is needed when you're mistreated by someone or mistreated by life 
And it's the ability to remain calm, to continue to do the right thing without, you know, reacting in kind. And I just think, you know, some of you are, this is you right now. Some of you are carrying really heavy weights right now. Life is hard. It is not simple. It is not easy. And it's not going to get easy in the next two weeks. And I was just thinking of specific examples over the last couple of years that I, I know of. Some of you, um, you know, health is this way. Some of you experience chronic pain in your life. It just comes and it goes and it comes back and it's just a grind. It just grinds you down. Some of you have cancer in your life, right? Some sort of significant disease that's not getting better and it's just a grind. Some of you are in really tough relational circumstances right now. You're in marriages that are hard. Uh, you don't really like your spouse a lot right now. And it's hard to be together. And it's a grind. Or you're going through something with one of your kids or several of your kids. And, um, and it's hard. And you don't see it getting better anytime soon. Or, or maybe it's not family. Maybe, maybe you're single, right? Um, and you're longing to be in a family. And you don't see that changing anytime soon. It's tough. Uh, some of you are carrying responsibilities. This is the one that hits me, hit me this week. Just, you're just carrying responsibilities that are just complicated. And heavy. Think of so many of you who are in like the, like the like 10 to 15 years older than me where you are caring for your parents now and you're caring for your adult children. And, and the parent one is just hard. It's just, right? It, it ends in death. It all ends in death, right? It's not, it, that's where it's going to end. And, and you're trying to faithfully carry out that love of them. Or you have adult kids who are now doing their own things and you don't have control over them. You never really did, but now you really know you don't have control over them. And they're doing their thing, right? You're trying to love them. As, as adult children. Um, this is the stuff of real life, but this is not the spiritual adventure that you envisioned when you gave your life to Jesus. Right? This is not that, that awesome, exciting adventure. I, I, here's the phrase I put. Th these are the kind of moments that suck out any last trace of the prosperity gospel in our theology. <laughs> Right? And we all have a prosperity theologian inside of us. I don't care what you think. All of us have that. We think if I am faithful to the Lord or there's a set of practices or disciplines or, you know, or things that I can do it right. I can do it right and it will at least relieve me of some of the burden of this life. Every, well, everybody I know. or I, I certainly think that. And these moments suck that out finally. And what's hard about these moments is, is faithfulness, you be faithful, nobody, maybe no one sees your faithfulness through times like this. It goes undetected, it goes under the radar, and it's kind of just it's between you and God whether you're faithful. These aren't things that people are going to see. Um, and what I love about this is Paul says, these are the moments where you have an opportunity to live a life worthy of the Lord. And the Lord Jesus, I believe, sees these moments in particular. And these are the ones when he watches endurance and patience. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. I see you. Right? In a celebrity 
culture that's infected the church. And we love the glitz and the glamour and the quick fix, all that. Jesus is like, I don't care about any of that. This is where life is lived. And when you walk through this in a way that says, I still think Jesus is worth it. I still think he's worth it. That's what I love. And so some of you right now, you're, you've, been, you've been carrying that weight for a season, and you, you kind of go, I, don't, I honestly don't know if I can keep going. I, can't, I don't know if I can keep doing this much longer. And the answer might be, you can't. <laughs> and what you need is power. You need strength. You need a power that you don't have. You need the power of God to come alongside you and help you keep going. And that's what this is a prayer for. The power of the glorious might of God who can help you to do something that you cannot do on your own. And that is a life that is worthy of the Lord. So we have the spiritually productive, fruitful, growing life. We have endurance and patience through the hard times. And then one final window into a worthy life, verse 12, and giving joyful thanks to the Father, okay? Giving joyful thanks to the Father. And I think this one, this is a nice compliment to the last one, okay? He's, the endurance he's talking about is not like a, a resentful endurance. It's not a bitter patience, you know? It's a, no, no, there can still be there can be joy and thanksgiving, even through tough circumstances. And um, we've talked about thanksgiving quite a bit lately. It, it, it's striking to me what a common theme thanksgiving is in the writings of Paul and all the writers of Scripture. And I think there's a reason for that. It's something we, we need to be reminded of a lot. I was looking in Colossians. Just in Colossians alone, there are five separate times where Paul says, give thanks. Okay, let me just show them to you. Right here, of course, giving joyful thanks. Uh, 2.7, we're rooted and built up in Christ, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. One more, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And for extra credit, here's one from 1 Thessalonians. <laughs> Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Jesus Christ. Do you ever wonder what God's will is for your life? Right? Remember, ah, I just, I just want to know what God's will for, your life, for my life is. Look no further. This is God's will for your life. He, he longs for you to have a life of joy and thanksgiving in the midst of really challenging circumstances. And I was thinking this week to this idea of a life worthy, um, right? How can I live in a way that shows the worth of God or the worth of Jesus, how much Jesus is worth? And I thought, what, what qualities in us w- would most demonstrate that we think Jesus is worth a lot? I thought, oh, surely joy and thanksgiving would be those qualities. A person who thinks this person is really valuable is someone who finds great joy in them and is regularly grateful, right? I mean, a person who watched you live your life, one of the things they would conclude is, well, this, 
this person is just generally grateful and happy a lot. <laughs> they clearly think that they've got Jesus and Jesus is worth getting. And they're, they're, they're a happy, grateful person. Sim- simple as that. Hey, easy to say, tough to do, of course. But I thought if that's true, then the, the contra- contrary is probably also true, that if, if our lives lack gratitude, it's probably, and you know, gratitude goes up and down, right, right, daily, I get that, but it's probably because we've taken our eyes off of Jesus, and we've put our eyes either on the treasures of the world or the darkness of the world. We've, we've lost this focus, and we're too focused either on the treasures of the world or the darkness in the world, Okay. Right? When we're not grateful, it's probably because we're focused too much on the treasure of the world. You know what the greatest gratitude killer I know is? Comparison. Yeah, success, yeah. Comparison, right? It's, I'm, the, I'm in the 2.5% and I'm comparing myself with the 2 to 1.5% of the world's wealthiest people, right? right? That, that comparison, that is a gratitude killer, Right? And going after all of this stuff that is around here, that's not bad stuff, but going after that, that kills gratitude. It leaves me with a sense of entitlement that thinks there's a certain standard of living that I am owed, right? And you just look around the world, and it's really clear, we're not owed. We're not owed a standard of living. The Bible never promises a certain standard of living. Paul says, if we have food and shelter, or is it food and clothing? I think it's food and clothing. Let that be enough, right? But comparison, we all do it. And it's such a gratitude killer. It, it robs us of joy. So we get focused on the treasures of the world, and we, we start seeing where we fit in that. And it, it robs us of our joy and gratitude. Or we focus on the darkness in the world too much, right? I mean, if you want to you wanna have your joy and gratitude robbed, just watch like three hours of news every night. <laughs> right? Just, it's a formula for ingratitude right, for anxiety and despair, right, right, it's, it, we're, it's, again, we want to be informed, we should check in on the news, um, but it's when our eyes are, are off of Jesus, and it's on the world, whether the, the treasures of the world or the darkness in the world, and so Paul is trying to put our eyes back on the Lord, look at how he ends this sentence, uh, who's qual- uh, giving joyful thanks to the Father, this is verse 12, who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people and the kingdom of light. We'll talk more about this in a couple weeks. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Right? Focusing on that is a life of joy and a life of gratitude through the ups and downs of of life. I get it. Right? Happiness comes and goes. But there's a, there's a kind of joy and gratitude that we can have in Christ as we keep our eyes fixed on him. And what I love about gratitude and joy, there's such contagious qualities. Everybody wants to be around grateful people, right? Who doesn't want to be around grateful people? They're, there's wonderful people to be around. And so Paul is inviting us into that kind of life. And he's saying, this is God's will for you. God, God is a joyful God. Jesus longed for his joy to be in us. One of the primary fruits of the Spirit is joy. It gets number two on the list, right? Love, joy. I don't think they're in priority necessarily, but they might be. This is what God longs for, for his people. I want you to experience joy and suffering, gratitude in the ups and downs of life, contentment uh, through all circumstances. And we can't... Um, 
We can't produce it on our, on our own, can we? Right? Hey, be joyful. Right? I tell my kids, just be happy. Right? We need the Lord to, to work in us, produce these things in us as we cooperate with Him. Okay. So, here's the prayer. A life worthy of the Lord and pleasing Him. Now we're going to spend some time praying this prayer. Bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. Being strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. So you may have endurance and patience. And then joyfully giving thanks to the Father. We're going to pray this for ourselves. uh, And then we're going to pray this for someone else that comes to mind. Maybe someone came to your mind as as we were walking through one of these descriptions today. Um, So let me, I'm just going to kick us off by opening this time where we we pray for ourselves, okay? Christina is actually going to come up in a minute and pray for us. She's an expert in this prayer, obviously, um, as the abide. JK, JK. Um, no, but I asked her if she would be willing to just pray for us for this prayer uh, out loud. But I want to I um, lead us into a time of um, just kind of silence. So as you look at these, as you've heard these, I guess the question I would ask you is, um, where's the ache in your soul? Uh, is there one of these where you go, oh, yes. Uh, where, where is there, here's another way to say it, where, where's there this, this thirst for fresh wind, fresh water from the Lord? Is there one of these? If, if Jesus were here and said, what do you want me to do for you? You say, I want this, Lord. Um, what would that be? And let's just take a moment in silence and to offer that to the Lord. And if you're, if you're comfortable doing this, I'd encourage you just to even maybe close your eyes and, and even put yourself in this posture where your, your hands are open. And what I love about this posture is it's both a, a posture of release, right? Like there, there might be things you need to, to release. Mark had us, you know, praying, just sort of breathing out things. But this is an open hand, like, Lord, I need to let go of my control or my grip on something. So this might be a prayer of release for you, but it's also a prayer of, of receiving something from the Lord. Uh, you, you want to receive joy from the Lord. You want to receive uh, power from the Lord. You want to receive uh, a fruitful life. So I invite you, if you're comfortable, to this posture. Okay? You can close your eyes and just spend a minute in silence praying to the Lord that he would give you what you cannot produce on your own. All right, so let's take a moment in silence. And then Christina will come and actually pray over us. Father, as we feel these tensions, we feel these gaps, we feel awareness of our need we just acknowledge that this is actually the place you want us to come to you, this place of dependence, recognizing we can do none of this apart from you. Father, we thank you for this prayer that Paul has that gives us a picture of your heart for us, of your longings for us, of your desires for us. And Lord, we just come to you now acknowledging that we can't have wisdom or understanding apart from the work of your spirit. So we ask that your spirit would come and lead us and guide us and show us your way. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is worthy of all praise, honor, and glory. 
as Dave described, Lord, we want to live lives that are worthy of who you actually are, that we reflect that to the, to the world around us. That in every, every, um, everything that we do, we're recognizing that we are bowed to you, God. Father, we pray that we would be a people who are bearing the fruits of your righteousness. That everything that we do is blessed by your work, by the work of your hand. That there's nothing good that we can do apart from you. That you are present in and through the work that we're doing. And we ask that it would bear fruit. Fruit that acknowledges who you are. And Lord, we thank you that you are a God who reveals to us yourself. That we can have knowledge of you. Lord, I pray that you would grow our understanding of who you actually are. That you would actually, um, in a sense, get rid of all of our, our misunderstandings of you. That you allow us to see the truth of who you are. And Father, we do ask that by your might and your power and your glory, that you would strengthen us. Not in the ways that the world looks for strength, but God, that you would actually infuse us with your power through our own weakness. That you would move in us in strength so that we can have endurance and patience. Lord, we acknowledge that things are hard. We don't always understand what you're doing. And yet we can trust that you are at work and you are there to embolden us to be reflections of your glory. Lord, we do ask for greater endurance and patience. And Lord, we want to be having gratitude just flow out of who we are, that joy and gratitude can't help but just erupt from us because we've so tasted of who you are. We've so experienced your love and your grace and your truth. So we ask that you would develop that in us as well. Lord, we thank you that you are a God who has called us your children, that you have invite us, invited us into your kingdom, this kingdom of light, that you have rescued us, that we have forgiveness and mercy because of you and your blood. Lord, again, we just pray all of these things, asking you to come for your spirit to move, recognizing there is not a thing we can do apart from you. We need you. We pray this in great dependence. Amen.